This is Barry Zelma, Zelma on Insurance. Today I'd like to talk about the False Claims Act and the key TAM suits that can result from the False Claims Act as it relates to insurance. The False Claims Act, also known as the Lincoln Law, dates back to the Civil War. President Lincoln signed the act into law in 1863 because war profiteers were selling the Union Army shoddy supplies at inflated prices. The original law included Keytam provisions that allowed a private person to act as a plaintiff to sue those who defrauded the federal government. If the suit was successful, the plaintiff would receive 50% of any recovery from the defendants. The Keytam provisions were weakened greatly as a result of congressional amendments in 1943, and Keytam legislation became virtually non-existent. However, in 1986, Senator Charles Grassley, a Republican from Iowa, and Representative Howard Berman, a Democrat from California, joined forces to amend the law and strengthen the incentives for citizens to uncover and fight fraud as Keytam relators. Relators are the private plaintiffs under the False Claims Act. The 1986 False Claims Act amendments received widespread bipartisan support and were signed into law by President Reagan. Since the revitalization, the Keytam provisions have increasingly been used, and successfully so. The False Claims Act makes it unlawful to knowingly, one, present or cause to be presented to the United States a false or fraudulent claim for payment or approval, two, make or use a false record or statement material to a false or fraudulent claim, or three, use a false record or statement to conceal or decrease an obligation to pay money to the United States. Under the Act, private individuals referred to as relators may file civil actions known as KETAM actions on behalf of the United States to recover money that the government paid as a result of conduct forbidden under the Act. For example, in Glazer v. Wound Care Consultants, a 2009 decision of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeal, as an incentive to bring suit, a prevailing relator may collect a substantial percentage of any funds recovered for the benefit of the government. To establish civil liability under the False Claims Act, a relator generally must prove, one, that the defendant made a statement in order to receive money from the government, two, that the statement was false, and three, that the defendant knew that the statement was false. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania set out the basics of a key TAM action when it stated Quote, the False Claims Act permits the federal government to recover damages and penalties against persons who knowingly submit false or fraudulent claims to the government for payment or approval. 
In addition, the Act authorizes a private citizen to commence and prosecute a civil action on behalf of the United States, known as a QUITAM action. The purpose of the QUITAM provisions of the False Claims Act are to encourage private individuals who are aware of fraud being perpetrated against the government to bring such information forward. If the action is successful, the individual initiating the action, the QUITAM plaintiff, is entitled to a portion of the recovery. The Act sets forth the following procedures for QUITAM actions. First, the relator must file the complaint in camera and serve the government with the complaint and written disclosure of substantially all material evidence and information the plaintiff has to file the action. The government then has 60 days to decide whether to proceed with the action. If the government decides not to join the action, the relator has the right to conduct the action on the government's behalf. The government may, however, intervene at a later date upon a showing of good cause. If the government does intervene, it assumes primary responsibility for the prosecution of the case and is not bound by any act of the relator. The relator remains as a party to the action, however, subject to certain limitations set forth in the act. Specifically, the government may dismiss the action notwithstanding the objections of the relator provided, however, that the person has been notified by the government of the filing of the motion and the court has provided the person with an opportunity for a hearing on the motion. Most QUITAM actions seek to recover damages and statutory penalties for false claims made to the government by government contractors, such as defense contractors and health care providers. However, a QUITAM action can be brought against insurers based on their claims handling practices. Similarly, in State of California, XREL NAY versus Unum Provident, the insured and appellant sought to assert a Section 1871.7 claim, the California State Insurance Fraud QUITAM statute, against a disability insurer. The Court of Appeal held that an insurer is not subject to a QUITAM action under Section 1871.7 based on its marketing and claims handling. However, California Penal Code Sections 549 and 550, the Insurance Frauds Prevention Act, are tools to combat insurance claims fraud perpetrated against insurance companies and any person who engages in such insurance claims fraud is the proper subject of a QUITAM action. To interpret the statute in the manner urged would improperly alter the statutory scheme to enlarge its scope. California Penal Code Section 550 Subdivision B penalizes those who, quote, present or cause to be presented any written or oral statement as part of or in support of 
or opposition to a claim for payment or other benefit pursuant to an insurance policy, knowing that the statement contains any false or misleading information concerning any material fact. Since the key TAM provisions were added to the Act in 1986, the U.S. Department of Justice calculates that the government has recovered more than $1.9 billion in key TAM actions, with whistleblowers receiving 18% or $184 million. When considering a key TAM action, the relator must be certain, however, that the authorizing statute authorizes the action. For example, Allstate filed a key TAM action on behalf of itself and the state against defendants under the California Insurance Frauds Prevention Act. Following entry of the key TAM judgment, Allstate began efforts to collect it. During its investigation, Allstate learned of a series of real estate transactions conducted by the defendants designed to transfer away their assets. Allstate, on behalf of the state, filed an action to set aside the fraudulent transfers of real and personal property and subsequently obtained a stay of fraudulent conveyance actions and returned to the Ketam court where it filed a motion for an order allocating the Ketam judgment proceeds. The motion was based on a stipulation entered into between the people in Allstate, allocating to Allstate 50% of the civil penalties and assessments, plus reasonable attorney's fees and costs. The trial court granted Allstate's allocation motion and entered the stipulation as judgment. Defendants appealed and the court held that the judgment debtor defendants in the Ketam insurance fraud actions were not aggrieved by such allocation orders and were compelled to pay up. This is a tool that every insurance company who is the victim of a fraud should consider since many times the fraud division or fraud bureaus of the various states do not wish to prosecute insurance fraud perpetrators. By filing a key TAM action and taking money out of the pockets of the fraud perpetrators, the insurer can put a large dent in the insurance fraud by making it unprofitable. The act follows directly on the California statutes and requires that the fraud perpetrators pay up. Now, it's not just California that has enacted insurance fraud prevention acts, all of which across the country have key TAM provisions. So if you're a victim of an insurance fraud in a state that has an insurance fraud prevention act with a key TAM provision, if you are convinced that you're the victim of an insurance fraud or a conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, it may be worth your while 
to file a QTAM action because if the QTAM action is successful, the insurer acting as a whistleblower or relator will share in the recovery and depending on the extent of the investigation conducted by the insurer, the judge will increase the share of the relator. If the Department of Insurance decides not to participate, the whistleblower, the Ketam plaintiff, has the right to continue to pursue the claim. The False Claims Act states that any person can file a Ketam action as long as they have direct and independent knowledge of the fraud and the if information was not obtained from a public disclosure. The definition of person includes not only individuals, but also businesses and state or local government entities. The most common plaintiffs in key TAM actions are employees of government contractors, health care organizations, and local, state, or federal government. But this does not mean that an insurance company special investigative unit which has developed evidence of fraud, cannot, on behalf of the insurer it represents, bring a QTAM action against the fraud perpetrators. This is a potential profit center for an insurer, turning losses due to fraud into profits, and it can also chill anyone's fraudulent intent to go after an insurer that will return the favor with a QTAM action seeking damages from the fraud perpetrators. This video was adapted from my Newly updated book, Selma on Insurance Claims, Part 109, 3rd edition, which is now available as a paperback, a Kindle book, or a hardcover from Amazon.com. If you found this video to be interesting or useful, please convey it to your colleagues, and please subscribe to my YouTube channel, my Rumble channel, my blog, my Substack publication, and my locals community so that you can learn about future videos and future blog postings. Thank you for your attention.